This episode is for anyone who wants to learn how to be a wise guy without being a smart guy. Hey everybody, my name is Ray Burns, and I want to equip Christians to think biblically about every area of life so that they can keep growing in spiritual maturity. And in this episode, I want us to think biblically about wisdom, and especially why a lot of people, I think, are being held back in their own growth in wisdom because they misunderstand what exactly wisdom is, or they confuse wisdom with something else. And more specifically, I want to kind of briefly share something that I've actually experienced a lot when I've been talking to people. And that is that I'll be talking to someone who, you know, maybe they didn't have the best education or they don't see themselves as intelligent or smart. And so when you're talking to them about spiritual things and especially God's calls for wisdom, they will say things like, you know, I, I want to be wise, I want to grow in wisdom, but I'm just not very smart. And with that statement, what someone is saying is that I need more intelligence so that I can have more wisdom. Or there's a confusion in assuming that if you're intelligent, you are wise. And therefore, if you're wise, you're also intelligent. And while there can be a correlation between those two, as we will discuss, I want to really start this off by breaking down the barrier that a lot of people have when they assume that if they are not smart enough, they can't be wise. Or, maybe even more disastrously, people who assume that because they are intelligent, they therefore have biblical wisdom. And I want to argue that intelligence and wisdom are simply not the same thing. And so to start this off or set this off, I want to talk about tomatoes and how tomatoes can help us understand the difference between intelligence and wisdom. Now, if you've ever been around some 12-year-old kid that likes to just, you know, spout off facts, they will very gladly tell you that a tomato is actually a fruit and they will blow your mind with it. And if you're, you know, a good parent or, you know, a good patient adult, you'll be like, oh, wow, really? Even though many of us have already heard that fact that tomatoes are scientifically considered fruits to some degree. So that is, a, that is a measure of intelligence. That is just simply, hey, I have a fact. And the more facts that we get, the more intelligent we become. And on the flip side, our intelligence kind of measures the amount or the depth of facts that we can understand. Now, wisdom, when it comes to tomatoes, is someone who says, just because a tomato is a fruit does not mean I'm sticking a tomato in my fruit salad. And that's where we see this difference here, where it does not matter what you know about the facts of tomatoes. A wise person is going to know how to use that tomato appropriately. The answer, as always, being sticking it on a BLT. And so this sets kind of a, I mean, it's very simple, very silly, I know, but this kind of sets the framework for us to get started on this discussion on understanding at the very base level, the difference between intelligence and wisdom. You can use a tomato without fully understanding everything about it. It is your experience. It is what you have learned through practical use and application that will tell you how to use a tomato. Now, obviously in this example, yes, you could read a book and memorize a recipe to use tomatoes, but inherently or instinctually, what you know about tomatoes doesn't affect how well you can use it in terms of cutting, in terms of cooking and things like that, because some of that is just stuff that you have to pick up from experience and actually putting into practice 
the art of tomatoes. And so really, this is just talking from a secular perspective, obviously, you know, we're not even getting into biblical wisdom or what intelligence is. But what this lays out for us, though, is that wisdom is about essentially your ability to put into practice things that matter for life. Whereas intelligence is simply a collection of information and usually knowing how to sort through it or how to apply it in a mechanical way. You think of scientists, doctors, things like that. People who are very intelligent because they understand how the the functions of things work. But with this, what we need to understand is that intelligence is not a guarantee of wisdom. Now, for an example that I'm pretty sure is out of favor and therefore isn't likely to offend anybody, but it still may, who knows, uh, let's talk, for example, about the healing crystal craze back in, I think it was the 80s, where you could have books written and you could have all these professional speakers and people who could use science to prove that crystals carried these spiritual healing properties. And you would have all these people who would be so convinced because all these facts sounded so good. However, as we look back, we realize that no matter how good it sounded, no matter how many facts we could memorize or how much we could argue for the healing properties of crystals, ultimately, it was not a wise thing to get involved in them. And ultimately, it was foolish to trust in the magical healing powers of crystals or, you know, pick your poison and things like that. I mean, today we've got no shortage of people willing to write books upon books, go on speaking tours and things like that to tell us about all these true or scientific or religious or whatever things when ultimately only fools will fall for those things. And so understanding that, let's talk about what biblical wisdom is. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter to us if we are more intelligent or more wise by the world standards. We want to please God with how we're doing all of this. So what is biblical wisdom? What does God have to say about wisdom? Well, the first thing we have to know, and this is, if we don't have this, we're in trouble. We're fools already. But we have to realize that wisdom comes from God. Now, we can see this with King Solomon. Uh, you can see kind of the fuller account in Second Chronicles chapter 1. But ultimately, God tells Solomon to just ask him for something, which it's not a gene in the bottle situation, but you got to realize God says, hey, ask me for something you're going to really think about what that one thing is that you'll ask God for. And so Solomon ultimately kind of looking around and realizing that he is a new king and he's looking around needing to lead Israel and he knows that he does not have what is needed to do it. And so he asks God with some wisdom already for wisdom. He says, God, give me wisdom to lead your people. And so uh, God says in 2 Chronicles 1, 11 to 12, uh, God answered Solomon, because this was in your heart you, and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, and have not even asked for long life, which say what you will about the, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel there, uh, but God continues, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And so here we see that God has granted 
wisdom to Solomon. Solomon didn't just necessarily get better at it. God gave Solomon the capacity to be a wise person. And we see that this is true for us even today. James 1.5 says that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So we have to realize at the very outset that God is our source of wisdom. Any wisdom that we are capable of, and I'm talking good godly wisdom here, not just the wisdom not to put tomatoes in a fruit salad, but God honoring, God pleasing, and God serving wisdom is ultimately going to come from God. We can't muster up the ability to please God on our own. And as we'll see more about what wisdom is, we're going to see why that's the case. Because wisdom itself ultimately goes against our natural desires and inclinations. And so with that, that leads us to the second aspect of biblical wisdom, and that is that it is a choice. So whereas intelligence is simply you do or do not know a thing, you can or cannot do a thing, wisdom is something we have to choose to grow and especially something we have to choose to use and exercise in our lives. So again, we can pick up the story with Solomon. Early on, we saw he was given great wisdom by God, but just because he had wisdom didn't necessarily make him wise or didn't make him live a wise life. As you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you see he basically says, I had all of this, but I set out to just please myself, to live a life of pleasure and enjoyment and excess. And we see the life of a man who has been broken and beaten down by the world. He had all the good things. I mean, he lived the life of pleasure, enjoyment, relaxation, money, riches, sex. He lived the life that any of us could possibly hope for. And he comes back and with the book of Ecclesiastes basically says, hey, it is not worth it. This is not worth setting your life about it. This is not worth trying to find your happiness in. And so at the end of Ecclesiastes, he basically makes a summary. You know, the wisest man in the world comes and says, just because I had wisdom doesn't mean I was wise or that I lived wisely. And so here is a really a life changing thing that he says. So Ecclesiastes 12:13 says, "The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the whole duty of man." So this is where wisdom is bound up. It is bound up in a fear of God and in keeping true to what God has said. Now, obviously, Old Testament versus New Testament, we understand that differently, but ultimately, it is about living and serving and doing God's will in the world with our lives. And it comes from this fear of God, understanding that fear biblically is not a terror. It's not like you would fear a bully or things like that, but it is an awe. It is a respect. It is treating God as he's meant to be treated. You know, there's an idea of reverence mixed up with this fear in God. And we also see this again by Solomon in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, which says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So ultimately, the true source of our wisdom is God. And it's not just God granting it to us, but we cannot possibly hope to receive it without making the choice to live as though God is who he is and we are who we are. And there is a very definite hierarchy of how that works. Because if we are living to please and serve God, then he is going to give us the wisdom to do that. If we are living to please ourselves, to serve ourselves, and we're going to have nothing but foolishness because we are already starting with the foolish choice to say, God, I don't need you. I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to love myself and live my life right now. 
And so when we start as fools, we live as fools. But when we start with the wisdom to love God, to fear him, to reverence him, to live in awe of him, then God is going to grant us the wisdom to keep growing in that. But we have to choose to do it. We can't just live like petulant children, constantly fighting against God, constantly trying to live our own way, compromising the reality of what God's word says to fit what we want it to say. We cannot live like fools and then be surprised when we don't grow in wisdom. It comes from God and it starts by choosing God and to rely on him and not our own efforts. Uh, Another thing to realize is that when we're talking about wisdom, we're ultimately talking about being in God's will. In other words, wisdom is the direct opposite of sin. So if you're choosing wisdom, you're choosing not to sin. If you're choosing to sin, you're choosing to ultimately be a fool. Now, we'll go back to James again, and this is going to be in chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, and I'm just going to pick out parts of this. Obviously, you have the reference. The uh, reference is down in the show notes if you didn't catch it. Read it yourself to get the full implication of it. But here, James gives us what is ultimately a contrast between here's what it looks like for someone to live in wisdom, here's what it looks like for someone to live in foolishness. And so he starts off by saying, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So ultimately, we see here that our wisdom is going to be shown through what we do, through what we say. You can't have someone who is wise living like a fool. They are not compatible. But then he says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. So here, James gives us just a little bit of what it looks like to be a fool. So if you have bitter jealousy, in other words, someone has something you want, uh, this is where gossip comes from, this is where anger comes from, greed, things like that. When we have bitter jealousy, we are saying, it is not fair, I should have that, I don't deserve this. God says that is not a biblical wisdom. That is foolishness. That is sin. Because if it doesn't come from God, then it comes from our worldview. It comes from a, ultimately, he calls it demonic. You know, it's a demon-pleasing. It's a it's a hell-centered type of thinking when we do that. Similar to having selfish ambition. If we're just looking out for ourselves, if we're not loving and serving the brothers, if we are treating people differently, as we read in James, if we're treating people differently because they are either more attractive, more wealthy, more intelligent, more impressive, or we treat people worse because they are the opposite of those things, then we are guilty of selfish ambition. We are trying to please ourselves, serve ourselves, instead of serving and living others. And James says, that is not what wisdom looks like. That is what foolishness looks like. That is what sin looks like. And then he goes on later to say, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. In other words, if you go back a few episodes and listen to my discussion on Galatians 5 and any talk I've had about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a life lived in wisdom. The works of the flesh, also found in Galatians 5, is what it looks like to live as a fool. So if you're angry, if you have jealousy, bitterness, rivalries, if you lack self-control, that means that in those instances you're choosing to be a fool. But if you can be marked by the fruit of the Spirit or by what James lays out here, then you can know that you're living in wisdom. 
and it's not an act that you put on, but if this is coming because God has grown this in you, if it's out of a desire to love God, that you are pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, if those are coming from a heart that loves and fears God, who has relied on God to grow in wisdom and has desired and prayed to God to take away their own selfishness so that they can love and serve God more, then these are the things that we are going to expect to see in someone who has that kind of God-given, godly, and God-pleasing wisdom. And also what we see here is that if wisdom is a choice and sin is a choice, then there's no neutral decisions in the Christian life. In other words, every choice you make, every desire you have, everything you hope for or everything you reject or ignore, all of that is coming from one of two places. It's either coming from wisdom in a heart that is bent towards God, or it's coming from an earthly, unspiritual, demonic heart that is just bent ultimately on yourself. Because as we see all throughout the Old Testament history, those who are pleasing themselves are enemies of God. James makes that clear again in James 4, that if you are loving the world, you are an enemy of God. And if you are loving God, you're an enemy of the world. There's no neutrality in the Christian life. There's nothing that doesn't matter. And so all of this requires us ultimately to rely on God to have the wisdom to first of all see that there's no neutrality in our lives. And it requires wisdom from God to desire to kill that earthliness in our lives. And it, does, it requires wisdom for us to want to constantly do that and to rely on God and to understand that we don't want sin in our lives. And if we don't want sin, then we have to pursue wisdom because we fear God and must rely on God for it. And lastly, I want to say that wisdom comes through experience. Now, we don't fully understand what it meant when in a very unique situation that we see, a one-time deal in scripture where God gave Solomon wisdom. We don't fully understand what that meant. However, what we do see throughout all of the rest of God's word when it talks about wisdom it is based on a type of experience. And when I say experience, obviously, if you've been around here long enough, you know I'm not talking about an emotional experience or how you feel, but it comes through basically trial and error, practice, refinement, exercise, struggles, successes, failures. That is how we actually grow in wisdom. And I'm not gonna belabor this too much because that's actually what my podcast episode uh, titled are you ready for more faith or something like that? I'll link the episode number down in the show notes, but I had a whole episode where I basically talked about, you know, if you want to grow in wisdom, if you want to grow in spiritual maturity and in your walk with Christ, then you have to go do something. You have to get out there. You have to struggle with the text. You have to talk to people. You have to, you know, contend for the faith with people and sometimes succeed, but a lot of times fail and be made to feel like an idiot because that's the only way that we grow in wisdom. Wisdom isn't just this magic wand, abracadabra thing that God just grants us, but instead it's a thing that he develops like a plant that grows. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes feeding it in order for it to grow. And our wisdom is just like that. So if you wanna grow in wisdom and you've relied on God, you've trusted him, you've asked him, don't just sit around and expect an abracadabra thing. Don't expect to not have to work for it because that's foolishness. To just want to get to the end and just say, God, I am now more godly, good job me. God doesn't work like that. God grows us by basically letting us stumble and fall to see all these places that we rely on our own wisdom, our own understanding. 
And when we see how much that fails us, God grants us the wisdom to see and say, God, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to trust in this anymore. Please help me. And that is where God grows us is when ultimately we have the humility and the brokenness to see how much we do need God. And from there, that is where true wisdom starts developing. Now, I want to take a just a brief pause here or an interlude. And I do want to talk about the fact that there is, in a way, a link between intelligence and wisdom. I know I said before they are different, and they are. You can be wise, but not smart. You can be ridiculously intelligent, but a fool. You know, and we see this all the time, even within Christianity. You can have people who really struggle to memorize Bible verses or things like that, but they just based on their experience, based on their love for God. They say things, they do things, and they live a life that we praise God for, that leaves an impact on us. And likewise, you can have a lot of people who are very smart, know all this stuff about the Bible, original languages, things like that. You watch debates with people who you know are either outright heretics or misguided in their theology, things like that. I mean, you even have atheists out there who can probably argue a lot of us out of the Bible because they've spent so much time studying and learning and getting knowledge. But if that knowledge isn't getting put to use, it means absolutely nothing. However, God, again, does not call for us just to rely on our emotion to grow and to feel and to have these experiences that make us feel closer to God, and through that, God grows us. That's not what God has talked about in his word. Instead, there is, in a sense, a link between our intelligence and our wisdom. In other words, the things that we know influence the things that we do or how we live. And that's not about understanding Bible trivia. That's not about just memorizing verses or knowing church history and things like that. Those things help. However, what I will say is that if if knowledge or if intelligence is about gathering information, then if we're really honest, the more information we have, the more things that we know, then if we're trying to live in wisdom, that's going to give us more to work with in our pursuit of being wise people of God. Consider again what Proverbs 9.10 says. We'll revisit it. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it also says that knowledge of the Holy One is insight. In other words, you have to know God to be able to serve God. The more you know about God's will, the more you're going to be able to act and live in God's will. The more you understand what God has revealed in His Word, the more you're going to be able to recognize falsehoods and protect yourself and even other people from falling into foolish false teaching. So it's not just enough to say, I just want to be wise and just experience God and just to rest and not not deal with all that brainy stuff. I don't need that. No, God has called for us as, as I feel like I've talked about hundreds of times in my podcast and on my blog. God calls us to love him with his mind, with our mind, excuse me. God calls for us to love him with our mind. We need to be thinking about God. We need to grow in understanding. We need to work and and struggle with the Bible and to learn more about what it says, what it means, so that we have ultimately more kindling for the, the fire that God kind of burns within us in terms of wisdom, in terms of love for him and things like that. And honestly, intelligence or knowledge is actually going to protect us 
from our emotions and our need for experience. Consider what Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So again, if we are just relying on our emotions, then we're already being fools because our emotions are driven by our hearts. Our hearts are just this flippant thing that just responds to everything from what happened in traffic to what we ate for breakfast to what our spouse or our parents said to us a week ago. Our emotions are very fickle things. And if that is what is driving us to truth, if that is what we rely on to understand God, we are already starting from a foolish position. Instead, we want to refine our minds. We want to grow our minds. Now, obviously, yes, while our capacity for wisdom is infinite, right? We can grow in wisdom as much as we rely on God. Intelligence is different. People have a limited amount of things that they can learn and understand, whether it's because of actual biological limitations, if it's because of just the time in their day doesn't allow the time to study and grow and memorize and whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why. But ultimately, yes, we have to say that not everyone is capable of the same amount of knowledge or knowledge acquisitions. However, that doesn't just excuse us and allow us to say, well, I'm just not that smart. Golly gee, I guess I'll just not try. No, because think of what God calls us to. 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul's talking about how we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to Christ. So that again is loving God with your mind. That is saying that you know we can we can take down arguments, we can take down these foolish divisions or debates that people bring up against God, and instead we can truly love and serve God with our minds. Second uh, Timothy two two, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men will be able to teach others also. This is a call to discipleship. How do we disciple people? How do we grow people? We can't do it if we have nothing to offer besides little pearls of wisdom or, you know, living by how we feel and hoping that it's godly. The more we know, the more that we can pass on and entrust to others. Matthew 22, 37 to 38. Let's just be blunt with it, shall we? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. We have to love God with our mind. That is where wisdom is going to come from, is when we are surrendering not just our hearts, our emotions, our salvation to God, but our minds, our thoughts, the things that we are desiring to learn about. Not what's on the latest TV show, not you know spending hours a day listening to songs or secular talk radio or whatever it is that we listen to, but filling our minds and surrendering our minds to God, to letting our minds match Christ because we are putting in godly things, putting in the good things that will foster a heart and a life that loves and serves God. And from there, a life that is marked by wisdom. But we can not do it if we spend all of our time on frivolous, pointless things and then just hope that God will give us wisdom. That is not how it works because we aren't giving God anything to work with, essentially. We are saying, God, you know, I, I want to lose weight or I want to be muscular, but I don't want to leave the couch. Help me. That's the exact same thing we're doing when we want to grow in wisdom, when we want to kill sin in our lives, but we do absolutely nothing to pursue God, to grow closer to him, to know more about this God that we say we love and want to grow closer to. Again, it's not a magic wand. 
It is hard, it is long, it is painful, but it is so, so worth it. It is so rewarding because ultimately it allows us to do what I talked about in my episode about God's desire for your life. It allows us to love God and to live for him, which is what we were designed for. It's what we were saved for. And then one last one I want to talk on briefly, and that is really where uh, the writer of Hebrews calls us out on this whole mentality. Uh, it says in Hebrews 5, uh, 12 to 14, and I'm only going to read uh, the relevant bit here. Um, it says, for by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. In other words, these people are being chastised because they should have grown enough in their understanding that they can understand it, defend it, and even pass it on to others. He says, you need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. And so that's what we want to ask ourselves. Are we choosing to be babies? Are we choosing to live on formula and not solid, nutritional, good food? Because let's be honest, an adult can live on baby formula. Maybe not a good life, but they can subsist on this. But how ridiculous would it be for an adult to barely just get by on the bare minimum of nutrients and things that are meant for babies when they are fully capable and ready for solid food? They just don't want to do it because it's hard, because it's difficult, because it takes time. They just want the thing that's easy and low shelf and no effort because they just want to do their thing and that's it. We would call that ridiculous and childish and immature and unthinkable for an adult to do that with real food. Why would we not do the same thing with spiritual food? There are Christians out there, maybe even Christians listening to this podcast episode, who you are young in the faith. You haven't had time to grow. God is still, over that time, developing that wisdom in you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the Christians who have been saved for years and are still just as Bible understanding, consistent in their reading, diligent in their prayer life, and are thinking like the world, just like they did years ago. That is a problem because that is someone who has had hundreds of days, thousands of hours to spend growing closer to God and instead wallowing it away and wasting it. So let's boil this this whole part down here. The link between intelligence and wisdom is ultimately this. The more we read, the more we will be experiencing God, the more we'll be interacting with his word and who he is. The more we can do that, the more we can grow in wisdom because we're going to understand more about God in order to put that to practice in our lives. The more we grow in that wisdom, the more we're going to want to read, to pray, to understand God, to wrestle with things, to read quality books, listen to good podcasts, follow good YouTube videos, whatever. And on and on the cycle is going to go. But if we just keep choosing to not grow in our knowledge and understanding of God, we're going to have nothing to nourish our wisdom and our spiritual maturity. And so in a practical sense, how do we use wisdom in the world? Or what does God's word say about it? Uh, Romans 12.2, a verse I'm sure none of you have heard if you've listened to at least three episodes of this podcast. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. A lot of wisdom talk here just in this one verse. Our minds have to be transformed. That goes back to that thing on what we're setting our minds on. 
Uh, it says that we have to test so that we can discern. Discernment is a wisdom thing. It is our ability to piece through things, to analyze, to inspect, investigate, and make a decision on based on our wisdom. And what is it that we're discerning? What the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is all bound up in our wisdom. The more wise we are, the more we're going to let our minds be transformed instead of letting it be conformed, molded, and twisted by the world. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. Uh, just again the relevant bits here the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of god for they are folly to him so natural people are foolish because they don't accept the things of god because as it says they are spiritually discerned there's that wisdom again that ability to understand what is from god and what is not from god uh, and then he concludes there by by pointing out the fact that we can do this thing. These things are not folly or foolishness to us. They are not impossible for us because we have the mind of Christ. So here, you know, we see that using wisdom is basically saying, what is God's will in this situation? We see this in both of these passages here. It is our our ability to look at a situation, look at a worldview, a biblical teaching, whatever it is, even just a situation or even analyzing our own hearts. And it is having the discernment, the wisdom, the God-fearing, God-honoring, and God-loving desire to say, is what I am thinking, is what I desire, is what I am accepting as truth, is this from God or not? Is this God's will for me to believe this, for me to do this or not do this? or not. And there's only a wise person who is truly able to understand those things. Not an emotional person, not someone who just trusts their gut. Because remember what Jeremiah told us about our hearts, our emotions, our gut reactions. They're untrustworthy. They're what always get us into trouble. Why would we rely on them now when we can rely on the wisdom of God? Instead, wisdom is what allows us to go beyond our emotions. It allows us to go beyond our religious traditions, what we've always thought. It even allows us to go beyond our culture. It allows us to see things the way God sees them, not how the world sees them. That's what it means to not be conformed to the world. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. It's to love God and pursue God and grow in spiritual maturity so that we have the wisdom to think and see things in a limited way, how our God thinks and sees things. And our lives are going to be filled with these opportunities. Every moment, we're going to be able to think, is this God's will or is this my will? Is this something that honors God or is this something that is coming from a worldview system that by default hates God? Which of these is going to let me be wise? Which of these is the wise decision? We constantly have opportunities to exercise our wisdom. We just have to care. We have to realize that there's no, oh, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. There's nothing about our worldview, our lives, our decisions that can really say that. Because to say that is to make a decision. It's to say, I'm going to do what I feel like instead of I'm going to see God's will in this. Now, not to belabor this point too much, So, if you, but if you want to kind of see how I put this into practice... Uh, on my website, you can go to my topics page and you can browse by the topic Christian Living and Spiritual Maturity. And a lot of articles and podcast episodes in that section are essentially that me trying to use the wisdom that God has grown in me to look at different things in the world, in the Bible, 
and just try to say, what is God's will in this? What does God's word reveal about how we can respond or think about this thing? But in conclusion, what I want you to do with anything you've gotten from this episode is I want you to pursue wisdom, not intelligence. I want you to look to God to grow your wisdom, not your own brain that holds you back on acquiring knowledge. And on the flip side, I want you to not trust in all your Bible facts, all the stuff you know, and confuse that and replace that with wisdom because there is a massive difference between what you know and what you truly believe, what you know and what you live out. Because there are so many people who are going to die with a head full of knowledge and a heart full of rebellion against God. And it's going to mean nothing to them because they are going to be the ones who stand there and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not read all these books in your name? Did I not stand up and teach people and argue with people about all this stuff? But if we don't know Christ, then he is going to look at us and say, I never knew you. And we don't want that to be us. So if you are someone who is more prone to rely on your intelligence or to trust in your tradition or what other people say you are, then that is something to repent of because that is living foolishly. No matter how smart you are, no matter how much you can hide it from people or deceive people or deceive yourself, if your heart is not truly fearing God and relying on him for wisdom, for satisfaction, for salvation even, nothing in your mind is going to matter when you stand before God. But all that to be said, again, knowledge, intelligence, it's not the be-all, end-all of what defines truth. You know, for example, the world we live in today, uh, science will tell us that we are not responsible for our actions because we're victims of biology, our upbringing, our environment, things like that. We are not responsible. It'll tell us that things like gender or sexuality are subjective. There are even countless books written by brilliant people, people I I would never even want to try to argue with, with all their efforts and resources dedicated to proving that God is not real. And they have all these different mathematical, biological, scientific ways that they are convinced proves that God is not real. That's a lot of intelligence, but that is zero wisdom because true wisdom comes from pursuing God's will. No matter how smart someone is, no matter how convinced they are that healing crystals are real, if it is not in line with God's word, then it is foolish. Do not be deceived by someone who sounds intelligent, sounds smart, sounds convincing, if what they're saying is manipulating, abusing, or even ignoring God's word and God's will. As Christians, as we look at the world today and, and within our own circles, there are you know, many smart people who can use the word of God to argue for things like the prosperity gospel, Christian nationalism, universalism, you know, things that I've talked about on this podcast. Uh, you know, there's a growing belief system called the New Apostolic Reformation. That is a very big thing with Bethel Church. That is another heresy that I'm going to tackle at some point in my ministry. But the world is just filled with writings, debates, arguments, proofs for all these beliefs that are completely contradictory, not just to God's word, but even contradictory to each other. So again, it doesn't matter just how convincing something sounds. What we have to say is, what is God's will in this? And it's only through study, through diligent 
pursuit of God that we're gonna grow in that wisdom. Our intelligence may not be there. We may not be the smartest cookie. We may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, which don't put knives in drawers because it's hard to reach in there. It's not wise. But that doesn't matter because God can still grow our wisdom even if our intelligence may be limited. And honestly, for most of you, stop telling yourselves that you're not smart enough. This isn't a feel good thing, but really, if you just say, I can't grow in wisdom because I'm not smart enough, then you are immediately removing your chance to grow. So trust that God has brought you to a point in your walk where he wants you to grow in wisdom. Figure out how you have to do that and don't use intelligence or a lack of intelligence as an excuse not to. The final thing I wanna leave you all with is Proverbs 3, five through six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So trust in God, not yourselves, not in the world, not in your favorite teachers. Trust God and use all those resources out there to help you develop a, a deeper and more meaningful understanding of God so that he can keep growing you. But beyond all else, trust in God for your wisdom so that you can know his will because he doesn't call for us to be intelligent but he does call for us to be wise thank you for listening to this episode of onward in the faith make sure you subscribe to the podcast and visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the christian life if this ministry is a blessing to you there are three ways that you can support it you can pray for ray and onward in the faith itself you can share this episode with others or you can help with various expenses by visiting patreon.com slash onward in the faith or following the link in the show notes. We hope this episode has encouraged you to keep moving onward in your faith towards maturity in Christ.